All right. With that said, let's go to our passage today, Colossians 1, verses 9 to 10. This is a, uh, this actual passage is from uh, verses 9 to 14, but as I was studying it this week, I realized, wow, this thing is really huge, so I broke it down to two parts, but then um, it's actually really huge that I might break it down to three, but I don't know, but all, all I know is today is part one, okay, the prayers that change everything. Let's read this text together. The Word of God reads, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can just once again hear your word, hear from you. Lord, we pray that you'll speak and God, that you'll really penetrate our hearts with your truths so that we might become the church, the people that you always wanted us to become. Help us to do that. And Father, not just inspiration-wise, but give us some handles that we can grab onto so that we can actually put your word into practice. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have, you, have any of you here ever heard of a guy named Raymond Edmund? Nobody. Okay, that's fine. Raymond Edmond, one day, stumbled out of the jungle in Ecuador, like deathly ill. The doctors looked at him and said, this man will not survive the night. And when his wife heard that, she started dyeing her wedding dress black for the funeral. They were ready for this guy to die. At the same time, 5,000 kilometers away in Boston, Massachusetts, in the United States, Dr. Joseph Evans interrupts a prayer meeting and says, hey, I just feel this burden that we need to pray for this guy, Ray, you know, Raymond Edmond in Ecuador. And so they prayed and they prayed and they prayed until this Dr. Evans in Boston shouts out these famous words, praise the Lord, the victory is won. Raymond Edmond survived. Uh, that night. And not only did he survive, but he went on to become the president of Wheaton College for 40 years. Wheaton College is one of the biggest uh, Christian universities in America. So it's absolutely amazing. This is a very famous story among Christian circles in America. But I share that because intercessory prayer can be really powerful, can't it? Intercessory means on behalf of someone. So praying on behalf of someone else. Intercessory prayer can be so powerful, can't it? Who here believes that prayer can change things? Raise your hand. Good. Well, that's good. You know, who here believes that when we pray for others, God moves powerfully within their lives? Who here believes that? Good. Excellent. Who here knows how to pray in a way that makes that eternal difference? Not as many of us, right? That's okay. You know, because it's a tough question. Well, today, we're going to get to part one on how to pray, pray prayers that actually make impact upon people's lives. You know, in our passage today, Paul not only shares that he's praying regularly for the Colossian believers, but, but he also shares what he prays, the content of what he prays for 
And that's really, that gives us a lot of insight as to how to pray intercessory prayers. And that's what we're going to cover for the next few parts, you know, together. And so today, well, all we're going to cover is very simple. We're going to cover the goal behind intercessory prayer. We're going to, that's all we're going to do. And the next time we meet and talk about this, we'll probably talk about the content itself. How do we actually pray? What things should we actually pray for? But we're not going to cover that today. We're going to cover the goal of intercessory prayer. And there are actually two goals. One of those goals is for us, and the next goal is for the people that we pray for, okay? So that's very, we're trying to keep it very, very simple today. Our goal is to pray regularly. Our goal is to play, pray regularly for others. The goal that we have for others is very simple. We pray regularly so that other, others will be devoted to God. It's that simple. We pray regularly, us so that others will be devoted to God. It's that simple. Okay? Cool? We're going to cover those two points today. Uh, number one, if we want to pray prayers that change lives, we must pray for people regularly. Verse 9, Colossians 1.9, it says, For this reason, since the day that we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually Ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Do you see the beginning of this verse? Do you see how it says, for this reason? Right? Did you see that? For this reason. What is the reason that he's talking about? Well, the reason that he's talking about is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. Right? What he's saying is, since the gospel is so powerfully at work in your lives already, that's, that re that's the reason. Since the gospel is so powerfully at work in your lives already, he's saying that it is imperative. It's a must. I cannot stop praying for you. I must pray for you regularly. Isn't that interesting? Right? It's not a common thing because, a lot, you know, whenever we pray regularly for people, when do you find yourself praying regularly for others? It's usually when they're in trouble. Oh, my gosh, this guy's in trouble. Everybody. And we start, you know, messaging everybody. we got to pray. And we start praying every day, like 10 times a day, right? When someone's in trouble, when someone's sick, you know, when someone, you know, things like that. And that's good. You know, all the times when we pray for people is when things go bad, right? Oh, man, this person just found themselves um, far from God. You know, this person's turned away from God or something like that happened. And we say, oh, we got to pray for that person. And that's good, too. Or maybe, you know, we pray regularly when, we, when things aren't happening that we want to happen, you know, oh, I need to get a job. I need some income, you know. I need to find a place to live or, you know, things that we need. So we start praying regularly for those things. And all those things are very, very good. But it's interesting because Paul takes the exact opposite approach, doesn't he? Because he's like, because things are so awesome and God is working so powerfully in you, I must pray regularly. I must pray continually. Isn't that amazing? Why is that, though? And here's... Two reasons. The first is this. It's because he knows that it truly is a miracle of God to work in someone's life. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know how many times he preaches. Even we read about the gospel of Jesus preaching. Some people get changed. Some people don't. Right? He knows that it is a true miracle of God for, for the Spirit to work in people's lives so that they would actually want Jesus and realize that Jesus is everything. And if God is already at work, you know, he doesn't want them to be nominal Christians. He doesn't want them to be compromising Christians. You know, he wants uh, them to skyrocket. And he wants them to operate their faith on the highest levels. And so he prays for them, and he fuels their lives with prayer. But it's not just for that reason, and this is the biggest reason that he shares, the reason why. 
people who are regularly prayed for become people who are regularly cared for by God. Okay? Here, it's all in here. Verse 9 says that Paul prays for them continually, and he asks God to do what? He asks God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. We'll cover that word knowledge in, in a little bit later. But the whole concept, what he's saying is, we continually pray because when we pray continually, God continually fills you. That's the picture I want you to see. Right? Because he prays because he knows that the Father wants to fill you. That's why he prays. So the concept is when we pray for people regularly, God regularly fills that, fills them. And then if you look at the end of that verse, it says that when we pray for people regularly, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit regularly gives people wisdom and understanding. Do you see that? That the Spirit gives? That's huge, isn't it? So when we, play, when we pray for people regularly, what happens? Two out of the three of the Trinity start caring for that person actively. Isn't that amazing? And if that person that we're praying for is interacting with Scripture, which is the living word, the living Christ, that's all three of the Trinity that's being invested into this person. This person is being cared for by the Holy Trinity. And if the Holy Trinity is regularly, actively at work in someone's life, I think there's a pretty good chance that something really good is going to happen. Don't you think? But how does all that happen? Sorry for the voice. How does all that happen? It happens when someone starts to pray for them. But not just pray. Pray regularly. Right? That's what he's talking about. When we continually pray, we continually ask God, we continually ask the Spirit, we continually ask the living Word to penetrate your life and to change it. Why is my friend, who was such a passionate believer yesterday, why is he no longer hungry for Jesus today? And my question might be, how many people are praying for that person regularly? You know, why is it? That I get so G'd up at these, at these services. I get so convicted by the word, by the worship. But the moment I step into my car, I forget everything. But my question to you would be, how many people are praying for you? Do you know what I'm saying? Regularly. I'm not saying that if we pray for people regularly, it's this formula that always works every single time. God is the one that's ultimately in control. We trust God for all the results. But if there's anything that we've we've we see all throughout Scripture is that when people pray and when God commands us to pray for others, God works powerfully. All of us need regular prayer so that we can continue to grow, so that we can be protected from the evil one, and so that we can be equipped by God to be rock steady against the world and against all of its worldly philosophies, just like the Colossian believers were facing at their time, you know? We not only need regular prayer ourselves, and here's the point, we need to be praying regularly for others. It's just, we have to, or else we'll all become victims of the weeds and the thorns, you know, and the rocky road of life. You know, I'm trying to point out the parable of the soils, if you know that stuff, you know what I'm saying? That's all I'm trying to say. You know, I'm not a gardener at all. If you know me, I know I have the, whatever the opposite of a green thumb is, that's me. If you give me a plant, it'll die. It's guaranteed. You give me a lawn outside of my house, it'll die. Right? If you ever come over to my house, my grass is all dead. You know, and that's all my fault. You know, there are weeds that grow like there's no tomorrow outside. And my wife is always turning to me and she's saying, you know, Eddie, maybe you should cut the grass. 
you know, the weeds seem to be getting higher. And I'll look out the window. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll get to it in a month or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, a month later, what happens is outside of my kitchen window, there's like these flowers growing. You know, flowers aren't, we didn't plant any flowers, but it's a flower from the weeds. When weeds grow really high, they, 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 flowers grow. Do you know this? So that's how bad it is. And so one day, like every like two months, I'll go out there and I'll start, you know, I just think, oh, no worries. I'll just say, I'll cut the grass. No big deal. Just cut down the weeds. No big deal. But it's like hours later, I come back in and I'm totally devastated physically because <laughs> I'm old. And it's just so difficult. And so I, turn, I remember one time I turned to my wife and I said, you want to know something? I think it's just smarter if we just cut the grass every week. <laughs> you know, isn't this, that's my conclusion. I think it's just smarter if we just cut the grass every single week because uh, that way none of these weeds get out of hand. Does it make sense? And you're like, yeah, stupid. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know? But the way I think about it, if you understand that, that's the way I look at the spiritual life as well. You know what I'm saying? Life isn't easy, and there's a lot of things that will always challenge us, and there are a lot of things that will cause us to pray, and that's just life because life is hard. But regular prayer, when we choose to pray for people regularly, what we're doing is we're praying for people so that the weeds of our spiritual life stay at bay. So they don't get out of hand and start to consume us. So they don't get out of hand so that we can continually grow in Christ. And we all need that. So the first point is very simple. Can you commit yourself to praying for people regularly? If you've never done this, Will you commit yourself to praying for people regularly? How do you do that? Well, we'll teach you the content next time. But how do you do it? It's very simple. This is what I do. You know, and if you know me, I'm not an Excel guy, Microsoft Excel guy. I'm not a spreadsheet guy. I'm nothing. I'm not even a Microsoft Word guy. But you know what I did? I made a box with, like, lines, like a chart. <laughs> That's what you call it. You call it a chart. Or I don't know what you call it, actually, a box with lines. And I just put Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I write the people, and I divvy it up. These are the most important people that I need to be praying for, and I just divvy it up, and I, I don't think. I just obey my chart. If on Monday I'm supposed to pray for these five people, I just pray for them. On Tuesday I pray for these five people, I pray for them. You know what it is? That's all I do, and that's all you need to do. It's that simple. And, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want to be that religious and that, like, you know, rigid about all the stuff. I don't care. You could, then don't. But for me, I need to be. Because if I don't, I'll, I won't pray for them. But I know that prayer changes lives. And I know that we need to invest in each other if we want each other to be protected, if we want each other to grow. And if you want to do that more regularly, do whatever it takes for you to do it. But please commit yourself to praying more regularly. If you are a leader of any ministry within our church, can you pray regularly for your members in your ministry and pray for the ministry itself? If you are a CG leader, please pray regularly for your CG members, you know, for officers or pastors, you know, please, you know, pray for our congregation together. We just need to be doing that. You know, pray for your, if you don't know who to pray for, pray for your spiritual leaders. Number one, your parents, you know, pray for your pastor, pray for officers, your CG leaders, your pastor, and then pray for your pastor, you know? You know, whatever. You can pray for Pastor Ray, pray for our elders, pray for, you know, pray for our government leaders, pray for all of our spiritual leaders, you know, because we, we just want God to move. We want the Holy Trinity to move in these people so that they'll get closer to God. Do you guys see that? Cool? Will we do that? Can you do that? We all need the power of the Trinity behind us, and it can happen when we commit to pray for each other. Number two, we pray for others regularly so that they will be devoted to God. 
Colossians 1, 9b. We're going to start in the middle of that verse, and we'll read till 10. It says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that, we pray that, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So Paul here is saying that he continually asks God to fill them with the knowledge of of his will. What does that mean, knowledge of his will? First of all, we'll cover knowledge in a second, but what is that? What's his will? His will is what we've been talking about for the past few weeks. His will is very simple that people will continually see that Christ is all that they need in their lives. That the gospel of Christ and the gospel is all that they need in their lives. And he wants all people to continually realize this all the time. That's his will. But what does that word knowledge mean? You know, knowledge is actually a very, very unique Greek word here. It's, it's like this really special word. And the reason why it's special is because the greatest nuances of this word knowledge is it is a fully satisfying, complete, and personal knowledge. That's what this word means. There's many different Greek words for knowledge. Some of it just means like facts. Some of it just means like to know. Some of it's relational. But this particular one, the nuance of this one is, a full, fully satisfying, so it's something that's in here, and complete, so it's like comprehensive, but it's also personal. These are the nuances of this particular word. So fully satisfying, complete, and personal knowledge of Christ and his will. That's what he's praying for, right? And so what does that look like in a normal Christian? Why does he pray this way, and what is he trying to see? What's the goal that he wants to see in this person's life? And so this is what it is. When God gives us this fully satisfying, complete, and personal knowledge of Jesus, alongside the study of Scripture, here we go, God begins to transform our minds to be like his. That's what it is. God begins to transform our minds to have his mind. There's a verse that you know, is very similar in Romans 12, 2. And maybe you never understood this way. It'll make total sense now. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Then you'll be able to do what? Test and approve what? What? God's will. There we go again. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. So when we have the mind of God, that's when we'll be able to know his will. We'll be able to see that it's good, that it's pleasing, that it's perfect, and then we'll be able to obey it because we know how, we'll be convinced how awesome it really is. Is. So this is what it means in verse 9 when it says that the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us wisdom and understanding. It's the ability to see our lives, and this is, the, this is the main point, it's the ability to see our lives so that we can now filter all of our earthly thoughts, all of our earthly principles, all of our earthly emotions and our earthly actions through that all-satisfying, complete knowledge of Christ. That's it. We sang a word, we sang, we sang a song, anchor. That's exactly what it's talking about. So that we can anchor our thoughts, we can anchor our emotions, we can anchor our, our thinking, everything, into the perfectly, complete, fully satisfying knowledge of Jesus Christ. So what it's describing is this dynamic and interactive life that we have with God, whose goal is to align every part of our being to please him in every way. I call that devotion. I call that a life that's absolutely and completely devoted to pleasing him in every way. And that's why 
we pray uh, in this way. And, that's, and that happens when we pray for people regularly. I had a conversation with a Christian recently, and she was sharing with me that how she had gone through uh, an experience in her life where people were pointing out sins in her life. I hate it when people point out sins in my life, right? Don't you? When people point out sins in your life. So she was saying how people were pointing out sins in her life. And a lot of times when people point out sins in your life, what you know, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this bad, whatever, this is sinful, then a lot of times the normal course of action is that we just make a plan to cut out those sins, right? It's that simple. And that's, just, that's what I fully expected to hear from this person, that, yeah, so I heard it, they, I, you know, they said I was sinning, so I'm just going to cut out those things. I'm like, oh, good. That's what I thought I'd hear. But she said something a little bit different. Um, this person felt compelled to go on this journey of asking God why she sins those sins, you know? What is like the root cause? What is the evil? She, I think she said, what is the evil behind or in me that causes me to sin those sins? And she wanted to know those root causes. And more than that, she wanted, to, once she identified that, she wanted to see how that root cause expressed itself in the rest of her life, right? And I was like, wow, I heard that. And I was like, wow, this woman is devoted to God. It's not that she just wants to cut off one thing, but she wants to cut off the whole thing. And that, to me, that's devotion, you know? And so she told me that it was one of the best journeys that she had been on in her Christian life, and it had brought her completely closer to God. And, and I was floored when I heard that. I was so impressed, you know? But I shouldn't have been, because I know this girl. She is a woman that people pray for regularly. So that should be happening in our life. Do you know what I'm saying? We should expect that because people are praying for her regularly. When we regularly pray for people, they live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. But let's also not forget the beginning part of verse 10. It says that they live a life worthy of the Lord. What does that mean to live a life worthy of the Lord? It basically means this. It means these people, when we pray for them, they start walking their talk. They don't just talk Jesus or talk Christian. They live Jesus, live Christian. You know what I'm saying? That's who they are. They not only live a life that reflects God's character, but this is what it means. This is the thrust of that phrase, to live a life worthy of the Lord. It's not only a life that reflects his character, but it's a life that impacts others as they encounter Jesus through him or her. That's huge, isn't it? That's a big burden, right? It's one thing, oh yeah, I'm going to just try to live like Jesus. I'm going to be my little, I'm going to just worship him through my life and through my integrity. Yeah, it's good. But this thing, no, it's a little bit more. It's a little bit bigger than that. It's like other people, when they encounter you, they should be encountering Christ. Now that's huge. But just like we said before, if the Holy Trinity is working through you, it's possible. Don't you think? You know, if it's one thing, if it's just Jesus, but if you've got Jesus the Spirit and God the Father working in you, it's totally possible, and it can happen. Um, now, I, I think when we think when we think stuff like, oh, when people encounter us, they'll encounter the Jesus behind us. A lot of times, I think our hearts and our minds goes toward non-believers. You know, when my non-believers at school, my non-believers at work, you know, when they encounter me, they'll encounter Jesus. And yes, that's true too. But I get reminded this is a letter addressed to Christians for Christians. So what that means to me is that what Paul's saying is maybe what people in your church need greatly is to encounter Christ in you. And as a pastor of 25 years, 
You know, I find that the greatest testimonies that I hear of God working in people are not the drug dealers who eventually become pastors. That's cool, right? But it's those nominal Christians that have gone to church for like, you know, 15 years and you didn't see anything. But all of a sudden, God captures that person's life and they change everything. The whole church changed because a nominal Christian gets captured by God. Those are the testimonies that I love, right? When I was in youth group, well, when I was in youth group, when I was a youth group pastor, uh, I had this one girl, and, uh, you know, she had gone to church her whole life. And she was, she was absolutely crazy about K-pop, right? Which a lot of people are, right? I was a youth pastor of a Korean church. And um, she was absolutely psycho. You know, I was trying to get people to stay after church for Bible study. She's grabbing everybody to go to karaoke, you know? So we were, we were like mortal enemies, you know? We were like fighting for totally different things. You know, I remember one time uh, she came up to me and said, Eddie, is it okay if me and my friends do like a special praise for offering? And I was like, oh man, God's working in this girl's life, right? I was so like thankful. I was like, of course, what are you going to do? And she's like, oh yeah, we wanted to like do a, sing a song and dance to this K-pop song, you know, during... No, you can't do that. You know, I want you to bless people. I don't want you to BTS people. You know, I, I, you know, no, you cannot do anything like that. Anyway, one Sunday, God like absolutely captured her heart. You know, the switch flipped. And from that moment, it was like black and white. She dumped all of the music, dumped all cape, anything that didn't have to do with Jesus, he dumped, right? You know, every, you know, everything changed. All the, all the like, what, what do you call All the stereotypical things. She changed her clothes. She changed her, everything changed. She started like yelling at all of her friends to get serious about Jesus. You know how uncomfortable that is, right? You grow up at church and, you know, you just know this person to be a certain way. I knew her for like the past 15 years and all of a sudden she totally changes and starts yelling at everybody. You know, and that's what happens. So she starts yelling at everybody. Everyone starts to get serious about Jesus and everything starts to change. People start to get serious about Jesus. Her whole class starts to get serious about Jesus. And that made me happy on one hand, but also made me worried on the other hand as a pastor. Because like when you see their whole class start to move towards Jesus, you're like, hey, she's a pretty powerful person. Are these people just being peer pressured, you know, to, into like following Jesus? Or do they genuinely have faith? So I went to all these, all these other, you know, especially these, you know, young girls in, in the youth group. And I said, hey, are you like really serious about Jesus or are you just kind of going with the flow here because you don't want to get yelled at by her anymore, you know? And, and they're like, yes, truly, at first it was like that. But it took her yelling at us for us to realize how important Jesus really is and we, that we never took him seriously. But now we all do. And I have no hesitation to say that not only did this girl transform her group of friends powerfully, but that made a huge impact on our whole youth group. Our youth group was like, you know, 80, 90 people. But that elevated everything. You know what I'm saying? When you see a whole class start to get serious about Jesus, it changes the whole atmosphere. Because one girl, you know, got touched. But once again, I shouldn't have been surprised because when you look at her parents, they're like prayer warriors. You know, I'm sure they were like looking at her kid, who was, their kid who was so obsessed with everything but Jesus. You know, probably made them pray more. But the moment the switch flipped, she was sold out and radical. You know, and that, all that tells, and these parents, they're awesome. They're not like super, you know, they're just, they just love God. And that just tells me, man, it proves once again that when people are praying, when people are prayed for regularly, continually, especially with the heart of a parent behind it, man, there's like, what else can happen? That's the only thing that can happen. You know, 
We need to pray for each other. Continual, regular prayer not only causes, causes God to fill people in such a way that makes them completely devoted to God, but it fills people in a way that truly influences and strengthens the church. I've seen it over and over and over again. You know, I, saw, I know for some of you people that go to this church and have gone to this church for a long time, you know, church is church, right? It's about friendship. It's about family. It's about food, right? It's about serving. All those things are awesome. All those things are good. But sometimes when church is not squarely about Jesus Christ, it can easily become very just comfortable and familiar. And so church ends up being church. And we end up doing church simply so that we feel good, you know, whether it's because of the friendships or family or whatever it is. And, you know, and because of that, not only do you discover that there are times where you start questioning your faith. Am I really serious about Jesus? And maybe, you, maybe that's happened to you in the past year or two. But there are also times where you come to realize that you've never really approached church in a way that gives other people life. You know what I'm saying? Which is the way God designed the church. That's why he called it the body. And every part of the body is so important because, you know, each part of the body gives another part life. And that's exactly what we were supposed to do. You know, I may not inspire and move my friends closer to Jesus. My approach to CGs may never have been about Jesus or helping others grow. My quiet times, I have them, but maybe they were basically about just making myself feel good that I actually did something somewhat religious or something for God. And therefore, my prayers may not have been giving other people life because it was never about that, you know? And so not only were we not growing, but because of the way that we approached church and just kind of fell into this culture of maybe what church was for me, we weren't doing anything to invest our lives in the spiritual lives of others. But if you remember last week's message, it's all about God and our confidence that he's working powerfully in our church. You know, God is working powerfully here through the lives of people, through the lives of the person that you're sitting next to. And for that reason, if I can steal what Paul said, for that reason, everything can change. For that reason, the moment you decide today to not being like that and making church about Christ and the gospel and helping your brother or sister grow and thrive and become a devotion to the Lord, it can change. And that's what I want to encourage you towards, you know? It all can change. Our friendships can be centered upon Christ. Our CGs can actually be about helping others grow. Our quiet times can be about just celebrating how amazing Jesus is. And our prayers can now start to give other people true life, true power, so they can grow and flourish in their walk with Christ. All that can happen the moment each one of us makes this commitment to truly, regularly pray for each other. That's all it takes. Okay? The whole sermon was for that one sentence to convince you that what we need the most in our church right now is prayer. I really believe that God is calling us to take the next step in our journey as a church, which is to become a church of prayer, a church driven 
by the prayers of our people. We've inherited the prayers of our parents who pray for us at morning prayer. We've inherited the prayers of our leaders who sacrifice and pray and beg for you guys. Now it's time for you guys as members to truly take up the slack, but more than take up the slack, to drive us forward. I want us to be a church where I can tell my friends and everyone else, dude, I could not survive if my members didn't be, weren't praying for our, each other. I want us to be a church where you're confident that we're being prayed for regularly by each other. That's what we need to move forward. You know, the officers and I, we meet every single uh, Monday, and we actually take the administrative part of the church very seriously. But what I need for every single member is to take the spiritual part of ministry and church extremely seriously. I need you to commit yourself to praying for our church. That's it. Okay? I don't care if it's one person, two people, three people, whatever it is. You just, can you just start praying regularly for our church? It doesn't matter how much we change the organization of the church if people are not praying and asking God to change the lives of the people in our church. That's what we need. Nothing can happen without prayer. So we must all commit ourselves to the hardest work that spiritual success requires. Do you know what the hardest work that spiritual success requires? It requires your death in prayer. Okay, and I am very specific about that. Jesus says this in John 12, 24. He says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And this is a metaphor of ministry. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, you can grow and just grow in your walk with Christ. But if you choose to die so that others can have life, many will have life. And if we transfer that principle to prayer, your death through praying for others will give many people life in our church. And that's what I'm asking you to do. That's real intercessory prayer. Okay? You know, God is doing so many amazing things within our church. Paul says that for this reason, we need to continually and regularly pray so that the Holy Trinity can anchor all of our thoughts, all of our desires, all of our actions for his glory. I think there is nothing greater that we need in our church right now than to have all of us start praying for each other. You guys get that? Is that cool? Is that simple enough? Is that huge enough? Whatever you were yesterday... Whoever you were yesterday is yesterday. But because God is doing something here, tomorrow can be different in your life and in the lives of your brothers and sisters in this church. Will you now play your part in giving life to our church? Be a man of prayer, be a woman of prayer, and let's pray regularly so that our church can be filled with lives that are devoted to Christ. Let's pray. I think, I think prayer is the toughest thing in the spiritual life. It goes against everything that we want to do. You know, because we're basically, anytime we pray, what, what we're basically saying is, God, I need you. And all of us hate admitting that we need anything. 
But in the spiritual realm, whenever we confess how much we need God, that's when everything starts to happen. You know, that's, that's the heart that God loves dwelling in. That's the heart and that's the life that God loves using. And it doesn't matter what happened yesterday because Christ forgave you on the cross. You can now operate in his righteousness. If you commit yourself to praying for your brothers and sisters, you can, just, you can start to see eternity change in their hearts as well. Let's become a church you know, where we invest ourselves into what God says will change their lives. Will you commit yourself to praying for our members? Will you commit yourself to praying for our church? And let's continue to see God work this year for his glory. Let's pray. thank you so much for your word you know prayer is so hard i don't know why it is you know we love hanging out with you we love actually talking to you but to get to the point where we talk to you is so hard I mean, that just shows us that it's such a spiritual battle it shows us that the spiritual realm is real it shows that you're real and so god help us never to be fooled by even our own emotions our own thoughts but continually help us to anchor those in your truth and who you are so that we might be driven to prayer, so that we might be driven to confess our need for you, so we might be driven to confess that you are the only one that can change our friends' lives, that can change this church, can change each other, God. And that's what we want to see, and we want to see you work. Father, we know that you've called us to be your priests, your ministers, and Father, we just want to be a part of what you're doing. So Lord, continually prompt us to pray and give us the strength to overcome our carnal desires, God, not to pray and not to depend upon you for things. But Lord, may your power be the testimony of this church. May people's hearts wanting to live for eternity be the testimony of these lives. And we depend upon you for all those things, God. Help us to become men and women of prayer and men and women who pray. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.